G'day Thriver Jess here, welcome back to the show. This is episode 303 of the Create and Thrive podcast and today I have an interview for you with Katie Hunt. But before we get to that, we have something very exciting, which is I am running a giveaway. I am giving away not one, not two, but three places in my upcoming Setup Shop course. So if you haven't heard of Setup Shop before, it's my 30-day intensive course where I take you through a system that will help you set up a stellar online shop for your handmade goods. So whether you don't have a shop yet or you have a shop that's not doing as well as you would like it to do and you'd like to give it an overhaul, Setup Shop is going to be for you. And this year, it is celebrating its 10th anniversary. Yes, I first started running Setup Shop in 2013. I've been running this course now for 10 years and over 1,400 makers have used this system to set up their online shops. Every time I run the course, I update it, I tweak it. And uh, so it's as relevant now as it ever was. And I absolutely love running it. I run it live. So it's a live course twice a year. It's the only live course I run and I would love to invite you to join me for the next run of the course. Now, uh, registration opens next week as I record this, which is, let me just check the date. That is the 10th of April, 2023. And the class starts on the 24th of April. And the giveaway ends on Sunday, the 9th. So if you want to be in the running to win one of three places for free in my course, head on over to my YouTube channel. So youtube.com forward slash Jess Van Dan. Look for the giveaway video. It will be very obvious (laughs) which one it is. It's like the the, uh, thumbnail is just a big giveaway on it. And uh, that video will not be visible once I've closed the giveaway. So if you go to my page and it's not there, then the giveaway is over. So uh, go over there. All you have to do, three steps. One, subscribe to my YouTube channel if you haven't already. Two, you have to like the video. And three, you need to write a comment below below the video stating why you would like to win access to the setup shop course and how you think it's going to help you so don't miss out on that super easy it'll take you like two minutes to do it in fact pause this podcast right now go to youtube.com search jess van den find my channel and enter now and then come back and finish listening to this episode okay you're back excellent so As I said, we have an interview today with Katie Hunt, who is from the Proof to Product podcast, if you're familiar with that podcast. She's a podcast host, a business strategist, and a community builder for product-based business owners. Since 2011, Katie's helped thousands of brands get their products on the shelves of retail stores, big and small. Her alumni's products are sold in places like Target, Starbucks, Nordstrom, as well as independent boutiques. So Katie is first and foremost a business strategist and that is what she focuses on. So in this episode we're going to talk about taking your business temperature and we're going to talk about four key metrics that Katie runs every decision through. Time, money, heart and impact. We're going to go into detail on those issues. I really hope you enjoy this interview with Katie. Let's get to it. Do you want to grow a thriving profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm here with Katie Hunt. Welcome, Katie. Thank you, Jess. It's so nice to be here. It's lovely to be here, and you have a great 
podcast, Proof to Product. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, the show started in 2017, early 2017. So we're coming up on six years. That's awesome. Um, I think I started Create and Thrive podcast in 2015. Nice. <laughs> I forget what year I started it. Yeah. Um, it's so a lot talk- of fun. It is a lot of fun. And we talk about similar things on our podcast. So anyone who listens to Create and Thrive, definitely go listen to Katie's po- podcast because you're going to learn a lot over there. Um, and also hilariously, we were talking before we started recording is that we have a similar trajectory, business trajectory, in that we both started kind of a, bit, a handmade sort of craft creative business in 2008 and yeah. then started teaching a couple of years later. <laughs> so would you mind just giving us a quick history of how you got into this space? Yeah, sure. So um, I worked in the corporate world for over 20 years, basically um, being a business advisor and consultant for professionals. And while I was doing that, it was a very intense job. I worked in the legal industry. I was getting married. And so it's a common story in the stationary world, but I (laughs) created my own wedding invitations. I created personalized stationary goods for my bridesmaids and family members. And it was a creative outlet from this very stressful corporate job that I had. And um, I loved it. And I started um, doing all of our pieces. And soon thereafter, friends and family started asking me to do more for them. And soon it became this kind of, you know, referral tumbleweed, so to speak, where it's like people just kept coming. And so I said, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well turn it into an actual business. And, you know, I wasn't really charging what I should have been in the early days. I didn't know any better. And so I uh, started my stationary business. It was called Kelp Designs. And at first it was like I mentioned that custom or semi-custom type of work, but I very quickly realized if this was something I wanted to do long-term, that I wanted to be wholesaling and I wanted to have more ready-made products that I could sell to both the direct-to-consumer market and wholesale. So within six months of uh, making that decision, I was exhibiting at what was then one of the largest national or international trade shows for the paper good and stationary world. And I was getting my products out there and I got into a handful of stores and um, had a really great experience at that show. But I realized from talking to a lot of my colleagues in the industry that, you know, and at that show that they were incredibly talented artists and artisans of their craft, but they really struggled with the business side of things. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to look at their numbers. They didn't know how to market themselves. They weren't charging appropriately to have a profit. They weren't able to pay themselves because of all this. And meanwhile, I'm over here, self-taught artists struggling with the creative side of things. And I said to them, you know, let's get everybody together and let's share what we know and let's um, leverage each other's knowledge and experiences so that all of us can grow stronger together and more quickly together. And so that was in 2011 that I started Proof to Product. And, um, you know, over that time, we've helped thousands of people get their products on the shelves of stores around the world. And we run a number of different programs that are, you know, coaching and memberships and things like that based really to meet people where they are and help them get to the next level. Awesome. Do you still run the stationary business? No, in 2016, I really hit a wall. That was the year I had my fourth baby. And (laughs) I also was running two businesses and I had left my corporate day job Mm -hmm. by that point, but it, I was speaking and teaching for creative live and on stages all over the place. And I just 
something had to give and yeah. it wasn't going to be my family. It wasn't going to be me. So I said, all right, let's, let's close this down. I still do some licensing work and I still, um, have, you know, some of those revenue streams going, but no, I'm not manufacturing and distributing anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's a great, I love that you come from a different background to most of most people who kind of start this. And I think that was definitely, it sounds like a strength that you brought to the table because that is like when you said that, you know, people just don't want to look at things. They don't know how to market. They don't know how to price things. It's just, that's such an endemic problem in our industry of artists and creatives, not knowing the business side of things. Um, And that's, you know, what you and I are both here to help with. So one of the things we want to talk about today, and I think this is an appropriate time to do this because it's as we're recording this, it's December. It's the end of the year. People are kind of in the mad rush of finishing up Christmas orders, but January's coming, a new year's coming. And I don't know about everyone else, but I've already, you know, done some planning and, and looking forward to the new year because I think it can be so easy when you start a business like this to just react to things. You know, you're just throwing things at the wall, seeing what happens, and then stuff happens, you react to it, and you don't have any plan or any sort of vision of where you want to be going. Do you find that with your students? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think as small business owners, so much of our time is spent working with our head down, completing whatever is most important and urgent in that moment and needing our attention in that moment, that it doesn't we don't always allow ourselves the space to mm-hmm. cast big visions or take time to think about what we truly want our businesses to look like. And so I have this practice that I teach our clients about taking our business temperature. And it means that we're intentionally making time to stop and look at the bigger picture and make strategic decisions about where we want the business to go next, rather than just reacting Mm. reactively. (laughs) We don't want to be so reactive. We want to be proactive and take charge in directing where we want the business to go. And I guess it can be really hard for people who are super busy, like they're doing this as a side thing. Um, You know, they've got a real job, maybe real job, um, you know, a day job and family and all that sort of stuff. But I think it is so, so important. And I just want to stress this to everybody listening and watching. It's so, so important to do this. I know it takes time out of everything else, but it makes things so much easier. It makes you feel so much calmer. You feel like you're in control of things rather than being steamrolled constantly by things coming at you. And uh, that's, for me, when I kind of learned that lesson, and it took me a while as well to learn this lesson, it just made a huge difference in how I feel about everything. Well, and it makes your decision-making process easier because Mm. if you know where you want to go, then every time an opportunity presents itself, you can ask yourself, does this align with where I'm trying to go? Does this align with the goals that I'm trying to reach? And if so, fantastic. We can move forward in a thoughtful way. If it does not align with where we want to take the business, then we can politely decline or we can say, not right now. This isn't Mm. something we have capacity for. Um, But I think so often... Many of us are excited by opportunities when they arise and we're flattered when people ask, or we have maybe a people-pleasing streak among us where we want to help everyone and serve everyone and really, you know, do the best we can to heighten that customer experience. But at the same time, every time we say yes to one of those things, we're having to say no to something else. And Mm -hmm. 
We don't want that to come at a cost to our personal lives or our personal finances or even the progress that our businesses are making in terms of growth. Yeah, I think that's a really important point where you say, you know, once you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to other things, even if you don't realize you're saying no Mm -hmm. to other things, you know, and if you don't, like you said, if you don't have that clear vision of where you want your life to go and what you want your life to look like, it can be easy to be pulled too far in the wrong direction by other people's priorities rather than your own priorities. So let's talk a bit about this process of taking your business temperature. What does this look like? Yeah. So um, in our labs program, it's our membership for product-based business owners. We go through this whole process that we take you through of taking your business temperature. And it's essentially an audit of all the different facets of your business. And you know, we ask for some metrics, key metrics and numbers, but we also ask how you're feeling. We ask you to do a heat map of how are you feeling about your product line, your team, your uh, profitability, you know, all, all of these things, because too, if our energy is not in alignment and all these other things, we still can't make, you know, we, we still can't make the growth we want to make. So we do ask everyone to do that when they join our community so that we kind of have a baseline of where they are, where they would like to go. And then we know then how to help them. But I will also say one of the key takeaways from taking this business temperature is my decision-making process that I would love to share with your audience here. Um, When I'm making a decision in my business, there are four key metrics that I run every decision through. And um, so as I'm weighing these opportunities that come our way, I think of these four things. I look at the time involved. I think how much time will this opportunity, this project, this craft, whatever it might be, require of me? Is it a little bit of time? Is it a lot of time? What kind of things am I going to have to put to the side in order to give the this project the time it needs? The second consideration is money. What is the earning potential here? And not just the revenue, but truly what is the profit here that this this is going to have? Um, And money's not the only component. It's not the main component, but we do need to look at this. We're running businesses Mm -hmm. here, so you need to be confident in what you're being compensated here. The third thing that I run every decision through is I call it heart. And that is the energy level for which I have for this. Is this an opportunity that excites me and fills me up? And is it something I look forward to doing? Or is it something that drains me? Does it bring me down? Do I go, oh gosh, and I dread it every time I think about having to do this project, right? So our heart is the third piece of this. And then for me, the fourth piece is impact. What kind of impact will this opportunity have on me as an individual, my business as a whole, my larger community, if it's since it's for my business, my product makers that I work with, and then even larger than that, my industry, the world at large, like what kind of impact will this have on them and myself? So those are the four things that I run every decision through and It's very interesting because when I do this one-on-one with clients, they oftentimes are mainly looking at the time and the money piece, Mm -hmm. which is natural because those are two concrete assets. But when we start to think bigger about our energy level, when we start to think bigger about the impact that we're making with our products that we're bringing to the world, that is where it, it becomes very clear to them what they want to say yes to and what they might want to say no to. So those are the four things I base my decisions on. I think that's really fascinating because it is so, you know, so typical to kind of default to that time and and money side of things. And it's just like, 
oh, that's the obvious stuff. That's, you know, we're running a business. We have limited time. We want to make a certain amount of money. That's great. But yeah, looking at, you know, that's our sort of heart and metrics. When we dig down, especially in this industry, that's really what's what's going on. Like that's why people are doing this. They're, yeah. they're not like you don't start a handmade business to get rich. Let's be honest. It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's not generally speaking. That is not your goal. It's probably because actually you're doing something you love doing. You want to do more of that. And hey, maybe like in your circum- circumstance such a such a common story people are like hey can you make this for me or yeah. you know you should sell that or whatever and so you go into that perhaps not realizing what's going to happen <laughs> or what what work goes into taking that hobby and turning it into a business like how fundamentally that shifts your relationship with it um how you feel about it and i think that's a really important thing for people to realize is that you know, when you do something because you love doing it and then you turn it into something that you sell, it definitely changes your emotional connection with it. Over And over time that will wax and wane. And I, I think it's important to, to dig in this uh, to this idea as well of, um, you know, the old story about do what you're passionate about or do what you love and make money out of that and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you turn what you love into something you make money out of, you lose the passion for it, at least for a while, or you start to yeah. resent it, you know, because it's somehow completely different and you you lose that connection. So looking at sort of how you feel you're making decisions and also the impact element of it as well, because I think a lot of people do consider that, you know, they they worry about the the ecological impact of their work, the, the social impact of their work, um, the emotional impact, even on their close family, you know, yeah. and, and the in the larger community as well, is such a crucial part of that process. I agree with you, Jess. I will also say going back to what you said about um losing a little bit of our excitement for what we're doing, what I, in that situation, what I see most often is that they that they are so bogged down by the day-to-day grind of running the business. Mm-hmm. They are trying to wear too many hats in their business. And so that pulls them away from the initial thing that they love to do, the creating part, the mm-hmm. fun, creative part of it. And so too, and not to kind of sidestep here, but that's where having systems and processes and getting the right people in place, if you can hire that can that can open you up to getting mm-hmm. back to the things you love about the business. So again, that's those are some of the key components as to why I include the heart and the impact in this decision making process. Because you might be thinking, I make this handmade product, no one else can make it. But what if you could find somebody to help you do that? Mm-hmm. And you could be supporting their livelihood and freeing yourself up to do more of what you want. You know what I mean? Like there, mm-hmm. there's there's pros and cons with all of it, of course. But um, I just, I appreciate you sharing that example. Yeah. I mean, I trained my husband to make jewelry <laughs> because I didn't, I was running out of time. I'm like, what else can I, what else can I teach him? Because he started doing little bits, you know, doing the bookkeeping, yeah. doing some packing. I'm like, what? And he's actually expressed an interest in, you know, learning how to make stuff. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. I, I, will admit, I will admit I am still final quality control. <laughs> Before it goes yeah. out the door, I always double check everything, um, you know, but, you know, it's letting go. And I find that hard letting go of any aspect of your baby, you know, this thing you've created and the thing that you're emotionally invested in can be really yeah. hard 
to do, but it really does make a big difference because it gives you more space for other aspects of things. And to get back to sort of what we were talking about earlier about making space for vision and planning, you need to make space for creativity as well. Absolutely. when you, yeah, when you make this transition, like you're used to just creating things when you feel like it, it's fun, whatever. Then when you start a business, I, I always sort of warn my students. I'm like, you're going to be spending the first sort of six months to a year of starting this business. You're going to be spending like up of a upwards towards 80% of your time, not making things because yeah. you're in the learning curve. You're, you're, you're figuring everything out. You're building websites, you're creating social, you know, you're, you're figuring out you know, how to price things. You're doing so much of the business side of things that you kind of will will not have enough time and will lose a bit of contact with the craft side of things. But it's so important to make space for that because that's the lifeblood of this business. You know, mm-hmm. your creativity and your ability to keep being creative and keep making things and creating uh, new products or just, you know, still being in the zone and enjoying what you do is the core of it all. And if you lose that and you don't make space for that, then it's eventually going to die because you it can't exist without that. Correct. I would also say tied to that is building in time for rest mm-hmm. because I have so many people who are like, okay, I'm going to carve out this spot, space for my creativity and to make more of my product. But when they get to that time and space, they're exhausted and yeah. they're completely depleted and they don't have the creativity in them to actually do the thing they blocked off time to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think making sure that we're building in space to rest or be creative or I'm sorry, or be inspired by Mm -hmm. things around us, Um, taking field trips to a museum, going for a walk outside, (laughs) whatever it might be that inspires us as individuals, we do need to build more of that in. Um, The more we sit at our desks, just trying to plug away and push everything forward, we, we lose a little bit of our inspiration. We lose a little bit of our creativity there for sure. And this is where having a bigger vision is really helpful because you're not so focused on the now, 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 like got to get this done now, got to get this done by tomorrow. Like you can you can future plan a lot more and, and put things, you know, towards the future, go, okay, these are the projects I want to achieve. What's my, what's my end goal? Where am I trying to get to? How long yeah. is it going to take me or how long do I want it to take me? And, you know, if you're in business, you've got to think long-term if you really want to succeed because it often takes a long time to gain a lot of momentum and, and, and get through that learning curve and actually get your business off the ground and, and make it profitable. So by by making that sort of long-term vision, you can relax a little bit more, I think, and and take and slow down a little bit and just realize that you don't have to do everything right this very second. And that in fact, those things like rest, making time for creativity, they're all just as important as the other businessy things that you are focusing on as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) So when we are trying to like do this, do you have any sort of tips or ideas for people. Like I'll give you an example. One thing I do is I take a yearly planning sabbatical. So mm-hmm. I take myself away, I actually go to a new environment. So I go to like an Airbnb or, you know, something like that for a couple of days by myself. I take all my planning stuff with me and I just sit down and then I think about what I want the next year to look like, you know, and then yeah. I plan out all of my 
events, you know, launches and things like that, put it on the calendar and then, you know, plan content, plan um, jewellery design. Obviously, I don't know what I'm going to be designing, but I'm like, I'm going to make space in my calendar, you know, because I'm running two businesses as well. I'm running my jewellery business and I'm running, you know, Create and Thrive. And I can't do so many things with Create and Thrive that I don't make space and time to design jewellery. So I have to like make gaps in my calendar. Now, this for you listening and watching, you might not be running two businesses, but you might have a day job or you might have a family that you're, you're managing, which is a job in and of itself. And so by not overscheduling yourself and making space and making sure there are gaps in in the year to actually do things, you have a better chance. And you also have that to look forward to. You know, um, having anticipation is is something that is really good for us. You know, it makes us happy anticipating something that we're looking forward to. So you can go, well, I'm going to have a little bit of time in, I don't know, March to sit down and create a new product line. And, and um, I find that oftentimes it's when I make space and sit down and deliberately sort of just start letting the ideas come out that they that stuff happens, you know. So I think that's that's one thing I do. I don't know if there's yeah. something else you do or if you suggest to your students something along those lines. Yeah, so I can tell you what I personally do and it's tied to what I tell my students to do. So um, when I was running a solo business on my own, I did similar to you. I went for an annual planning retreat offsite somewhere else, um, usually someplace that had a view or someplace yeah. I could go yeah. outside. Um, <laughs> but I- Something inspirational. I, or, Exactly. And I would sit down and I did map out the year. But what I what I tell my students to start with is plot your personal schedule on that calendar. Oh, first. yes. Yes. I, I want everyone yes. to put and I'm talking nitty gritty details. If you have children, their school schedule is going on that. If you have a vacation plan, this, that vacation plan goes on there. If you have friends getting married or whatever, that goes on the <laughs> calendar. Any personal details you have, we plot that first because yes. that's our first priority. And then we talk about adding the big boulders to our calendar. And that for the product world is going to be when you're releasing new products or when you have big sales seasons, or in my students' cases, if they're doing wholesale trade shows mm -hmm. or things like that, those big boulders go on the calendar next because we need to make space for those. Yeah. And then with everything, we work back and add the smaller boulders. So that's what, like all the details that go into a new release, you know, the creative process, uploading it to the website, doing our photos, adding things to our catalogs, like all those nitty gritty, smaller details. Because one thing I do see as people are planning for the year, they underestimate the time involved in some of these projects. And that's yeah. human nature. I mean, yeah. a lot of us have that. My sister is an architect and she's constantly like <laughs> overinflating over what she can get done in a day. But, um, and I say that with love. She knows it. I know it. But, um, <laughs> But my point is just, it's, it's human nature. And so we plot the family stuff first. We do the big boulders second. We do the smaller boulders next. And then also I encourage them to always leave extra space, lots mm -hmm. of extra white space so that as new opportunities arise or as they're struck with an idea of something that they want to pursue, there's space to do that on the calendar. Um, and then if we take this to more of a micro level, um, I also block off every Friday on my calendar and I don't have any meetings. I don't have any commitments. You're me. I swear. Like, this is hilarious. It's like the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, our Fridays are blocked off and, um, you know, I am working, I'm doing things, but my point, I, I want that space for overflow. If yeah. we have a new idea that we're taking on, if we have some catch up work we need to do, if we want to have a meetup or whatever it might be that 
that typically happens on a Friday. So um, those are some of the things I do. Now that I have a team, it's slightly different. We do two planning sessions a year. Um, We meet in person. I still bring my large post-it notes and the markers (laughs) and all the things. Um, But we, we do some things virtually and then we do some things in person. But the process is still the same. We also typically plan about two quarters in advance. Um, I'll know the whole year in advance in terms of what those big rocks are, but we don't start getting to the smaller rocks until about six months out. So that's usually what I encourage for my audience to, you know, prior to the pandemic, I, we did mostly annual planning and we stuck to that plan, but I feel like everything's moving too fast and we need to kind of plan on smaller sprints and, and go from there just because that way we have flexibility if we need to shift. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I, I, I like to make it clear to my students, like when I do this planning and I, I put all this down, it's not set in stone. Like right. it, you're doing it for you. You're not doing it for the plan. Like the plan isn't the boss. You're the boss. And if yeah. things need to change, then they need to change. But the point is having the plan there to to alter, not having a complete open slather, no plan, no idea of what you're doing. Where, you know, if I look ahead and I go, well, I've got this, you know, market I want to do this time of year. And then another market pops up that's going to be like the same weekend, but it's actually looking like it'll be better. I'm like, well, hey, maybe I'll switch and I'll do that one. Like you can make those decisions as you go, but you're coming from a place of knowledge and a place of knowing what you're giving up or what you're saying no to or what right. you, rather than just like not knowing. Um, and also another thing that's good about that forward planning is that you make sure things aren't going to run into each other too much. Like once you put all that out there and then you can backtrack, like you were saying, going, okay, well, I want to launch a product line here. How far back is like, is that going to take over my life? You know, like yeah, how long is it going to take me from the beginning to end and plot that out there and go, well, I can't then plan another major product in the middle of that process because then I'm going to be splitting my focus too much. Um, and the white space thing, obviously that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so important. One of the things we do um, with our clients too is when we're mapping things out for the quarter, we know whether something is um, like pre-production or production or it's actually like go time with the sales and marketing of it. So we also categorize things like, cause there's certain things, as you said, that take a really long time. Like mm-hmm. we may be ideating things now that won't launch to the market for three to six months. And yeah. so we're having to do work on that, but at the same time, it's different type of work than actively selling and so, like on social or sending the emails and things. So mm-hmm. we also try to, we layer it in that way. Mm-hmm. So people know that they're not over committing themselves to different aspects of the the work cycles. Um, and that has helped too in terms of kind of curbing, okay, here's what I'm focused on and I'm not overloading on this side or that side. So, yeah. So can you think of any like don'ts that people should avoid doing throughout this process? Like think mistakes that people might make when they're trying to do this sort of planning? Yeah. I think one of the things is what you talked about of like ingraining this in stone or assuming that everything is not going to change. It will. And that's okay. Life is fluid. We need to make sure that we leave the space for that. So I think one mistake people make is that they're, they set the calendar and they stick to it too hardcore. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to be flexible on that. I think the other thing is underestimating the time it takes to do all of these things. Uh, I mentioned my sister, I love her dearly, but you know, (laughs) we all do that to some extent. And Mm -hmm. I think we need to be realistic with ourselves of what, 
what we can accomplish in a certain time frame. And the other thing is too, and it goes with this, prioritizing what's on the list. This isn't a mistake. Mm-hmm. This is something I want people to do. I want you to prioritize because if you get into a time crunch, then you can easily like cross things off the bottom of the list or postpone them until later without feeling worry or guilt or shame around not accomplishing everything you set out to do. So if we prioritize things, we we know what we can kind of push off to the next thing if we need to. But um, I, I would say the other thing that's the biggest mistake is not planning, is yeah. not doing the plan. And I know that same may seem obvious, but a lot of people don't do it because they're intimidated by it. They're unsure how to do it. Um, they don't feel organized enough. They're not sure what tools to use. I mean, it is as simple as pulling out a piece of paper and a calendar and really looking at what you want to accomplish when and setting realistic goals for yourselves that can be um, measured and attainable mm-hmm. and all of those things. So it doesn't have to be complex. You don't need a fancy planner. You don't need fancy technology. You just need a calendar and some like white space to sit down and dream big about what you want for your business. Yeah. I was just going to pull up mine. This is literally my yearly plan is in this diary. Like normally I have a big wall planner, but I traveled and I couldn't take it with me. So I'm like, well, I just did it in there. Like, yeah. And then I put it on the wall planner. It sits there. I can see it every day. It's in front of me. Um, then I use, I still, I'm, I'm old school. I still have this on my desk open to a, yeah. a week uh, on a page. And that's where I write my to-dos down. And then I use Google Calendar to just keep things, you know, organized. <laughs> and yeah. so it, it pops up and reminds me about appointments. But that's as simple as is my, my planning system is. How about you? What, what's your sort of. Yeah, we system? start with a, we start with a year at a glance one pager. It's like eight and a half by 11 regular sheet of paper kind of thing. And we color code stuff and put stuff on there. And then we move it around. And once we figure out where we are and what feels good to us and what still has enough white space, then we plot it on our team's Google calendar, my family's Google calendar. And I joke that if it's not on our Google calendar, it does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) We live and die by the Google calendar. But, um, and I too have a, you know, it up on the wall and stuff like that, but so I can visualize and see what Mm -hmm. we have coming. And also it's a great visual reminder too, when opportunities strike of like, wait, do we have a capacity for this? No. Mm -hmm. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. So, um, (laughs) yeah, but I like, I have a single sheet year at a glance and I, I get real analog with it, coloring stuff in Mm -hmm. and, you know, so it's, it's fun for me to, I like that side of it. I I find it really energizing to -hmm. do that kind of planning. Yeah, I do too. I really, I find it fun. I also wanted to add as part of our whole, like taking your business temperature, you'd ask Mm -hmm. kind of what kind of things we look at. It's more than just putting things on a calendar. It really is taking a hard look at our businesses and seeing what's working well and doing more of that or planning Mm -hmm. to do more of that. What's not working so well. And then how do we make shifts from there? Is it something that we need to scale back on? Is it something we adjust and do differently? Is it something that we stop doing entirely? Um, So those are the kinds of things when we're taking our business temperature, we're looking at all facets of our business with that eye towards how can we be more efficient? How can we work smarter instead of harder? And how do we just hit the goals we're trying to hit with more ease? So that's kind of, I I wanted to go back and um, add that too, because it is more than just planning and putting Mm -hmm. stuff on a calendar. It's really trying to put the right things on the calendar. Yeah. And that's just a reflection of the decisions we've made based on what we where we want our business to go and what we want our business to look like. So it's, yep. it's kind of the middle of the process rather than the beginning of the process. You really need to have kind of done that sort of sit down visioning 
um, yep. um, and temperature taking. I like that way of looking at it. Uh, work first in order to know what to put down and where you want to go. So, yeah. you know, because some people are going to be more focused on like you were for wholesale, you know, so you need to go in that direction. Some people are on like me, online sell- selling uh, markets, et cetera. Like there's so many different ways to run a creative business and so many different yeah. ways. To directions that you can take it and only you can decide what's the best direction for you and the best way to get there in the end of the day. Absolutely. Awesome. This was awesome. Thank you so much, Katie, for your sharing your wisdom with us all today on of this course. process. Um, do you have any last piece of advice or last words that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, I just want to reiterate what you said of this is your business and you set the rules. So you get to choose which direction you take it. You get to choose what you say yes to, what you say no to, and really lean into that power. We have a lot more power than we realize. I think a lot of people get tied up in this. I have to do it this way because that's how everyone else does it. Or I have to do it this way because that's what people are asking for. My customers are asking for And that's not the case. If you want to do something, please pursue it. If you feel that something's not really in alignment for you anymore, it's okay to cut back or turn it off altogether. But you set the rules for your business. And it's important to remind ourselves of that frequently and in all aspects of our business. (laughs) So I I hope that's helpful for your listeners. Absolutely. So where can people find out more about you? Yeah, sure. We're at proof2product.com. That's a T-O in the middle there. Uh, proof to product. Our podcast is Proof to Product and we're distributed everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we've got some really great resources. If any of your um, audience is interested in learning whether or not wholesale is right for them, we have a great course that will, it's a free course that will teach you um, kind of what you need to know before you jump into wholesale. So you can determine if it's something that's suitable for you and they can get access to that at proof2product.com slash resources. We have a resource library and that's part of it. So proofproduct.com resources. Thank you so much, Katie. Of course. Thank you for having me. Huge thanks to Katie for coming on the show today. And have you entered my giveaway? I really hope you paused at the beginning and went and entered it. But if you didn't, you can go into it now. So head on over to youtube.com forward slash Jess Van Dan to enter to win one of three places in my upcoming setup shop course. And hey, if you don't know what Setup Shop is about in detail and you would like to find out more before registration opens, you can head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop, all as one word. So createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of the podcast. Always a pleasure to be here and chat to you about growing your handmade business. I'll be back again soon with another episode. Of course, if you're not already on my YouTube channel, make sure to head over there just in general, because I put a lot more content over on YouTube than I do on the podcast these days. So if you're not watching and following my YouTube channel, you're missing a lot of content. And of course, you know, the YouTube videos, much like my podcast, you can just put them on and listen to them while you work. You don't need to look at my face. It's okay. (laughs) So if you do want to get all of the content I put out for free, head on over there. And of course, finally, a big shout out and thank you to all the members of the Thriver Circle, which is my membership community for makers. And of course, that is how you also get access to my year long course, Your Year to Thrive. But I'll tell you more about that on the another time. So let's get on with our days, our evenings, our nights, whatever it is right now. I hope you're having a good one and I'll talk to you again very soon. Bye for now.